Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to TFL Talking Trucks. As always, I'm Andrei Smirnov. And today's topic has to do with fuel, which is, of course, important to all of us. Uh, I'm talking about, of course, gasoline, uh, diesel, other types of fuel uh, for a lot of the uh, trucks and cars that we drive. And I have a very special guest on this episode. It is uh, Jim Keebler. Uh, Jim, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me, Andre. Uh, Jim, can you please introduce yourself and kind of uh, set the stage, some of your background? Okay. I'm Dr. Jim Keebler. I'm on the faculty in the supply chain management department here at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. I actually got my PhD here in the year 2000 as a very old guy, 53 years old when I started up. I've had a very lengthy career in the military, uh, transportation corps, and I've worked for several big companies over a 25-year period uh, with lots of those jobs having responsibility for transportation by barge, truck, train, ships, planes, and even pipelines. So I, I have an operations um, understanding about making distribution and sourcing in the flows uh, to get material from where it's produced, sourced, to where it's going to be demanded or consumed. And so that, that I guess, equips me to talk a little bit about supply and demand in this area for, for fuels, from jet fuel to home heating oils, including gasoline and other, other fuels. So okay. I, I teach uh, many courses here at undergraduate and graduate. Um, I've been at UT for three and a half years. Uh, I retired a couple of times <laughs> having worked uh, all of my life, but uh, I, I love the classroom and I love uh, uh, to learn. And by teaching pro teaching students, I get a chance to learn from them as well. Awesome. So I want to kind of set the, the discussion up uh, a little bit, and it has to do with a recent story, what, about a week or maybe two weeks ago, uh, which kind of surfaced uh, up in, in the media. And also something very recent, um, just a couple of days ago, the Colonial Pipeline, right? Right. Uh, so the news that surfaced uh, said something about that there is a current shortage in truck drivers who drive tanker trucks. So basically, when you're going by your corner gas station, you, you may see a, a big tanker truck replenishing the station. And there is a sort of a shortage there. And of course, it raises a lot of other questions. Uh, what perhaps higher pricing for fuel, maybe some shortages um, somewhere, uh, maybe not everywhere, but certain places, right? Um, right. And also um, Colonial Pipeline just so happened that that they had a cyber attack uh, several year, days ago. Yes, and they're still shut down as far as I know. Yeah, and they supply what, about 45% of Eastern um, fuel needs. Yes, it's uh, 55,000 miles of pipeline uh, principally moving from the Gulf Coast, Houston, and all across the southern states into the East Coast. They, 
they produce uh, provide about 45% of the East Coast, Coast fuel usage. So it's a pretty dramatic uh, issue when that pipeline shuts down. Yeah, that's, um, and I don't know if uh, people are already feeling the effects of it. I mean, how, what, you know, as far as this sector is concerned, how fast do you think it moves, this kind of demand and, and, and supply? Well, it's moving very fast right now, coming off of the shutdown caused by the pandemic, where people stayed home, worked from home, weren't driving, didn't fill up the car. Uh, what, what that did was it took a pre-pandemic situation where there's a shortage of about 10% of the tanker fleet drivers um, up to about 25% shortage. So we've got sitting idle every day, 25% of the tanker fleet. That's according to the National Tank Truck Carrier Association. And what happened to these drivers? Well, they went someplace else. They, uh, not having work, they, they either retired or they converted to a different industry, construction materials or hauling boxes for Amazon. Uh, so the drivers kind of disappeared and they're not being replaced. A couple of the issues dealing with uh, tanker drivers is they have to have a CDL and special hazmat certifications and fuel uh, tanker fuel certifications. And even those schools that produced those certifications have shut down. So resupplying a pool, which was already inadequate, is, is a big choke point right now. So the drivers um, work hard. They make about $25 an hour. $80,000 a year would be a really good pay for tanker drivers. So how do you attract drivers to come to work? Uh, individual companies like Pilot, they have programs that, uh, that recruit and retain drivers because they know how important it is to their business. Uh, but for the average retail gas station, uh, those folks don't have much control. Uh, and if they are located in areas where people are now going back to work in droves or going on vacation in droves, those vacation hotspots may, may see some shortages, not because we lack fuel. Uh, there is fuel in the system. Um, I, I see a report saying there's ample supply of gasoline for summer and fall. That's from AAA. Uh, Pilot uh, has said recently, last couple of days, that they have adequate supply of fuel. It's getting the delivery from the tank farms uh, into the last mile component of actually taking it to the retail gas stations. And you need a tank, tanker trucker uh, for that. And uh, we just don't have enough of them right now. Yeah, I actually, got a, I actually got a kind of a first person view into this area. Um, in February of 2021, just a, what a couple months ago, I, I actually got my CDL. Congratulations. Uh, thanks. It wasn't a tanker CDL or a hazmat or hazardous material uh, license, but I do have a class A license that allows me to drive any tractor with a trailer or multiple trailers, actually. Um, and I went to Southwest School, uh, truck driving school in Phoenix, Arizona for this. And the reason why I actually went, well, it's been a long story, but uh, the reason why I had to go there in February is because 
So they had, first of all, shut down, like you said, for uh, maybe some sort of time last year. Then they have classrooms about half the size of what they were because they have to do so certain social distancing right. uh, rules and regulations. Um, and they weren't able to get all the people right through the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had me go there. I went there for two days um, to take my final driving test. And they're like, you know, we need to get you in and out because after this, all the classes are full, right? They said, yeah. you know, we, we cannot, you know, have any, um, you know, other special arrangements because we just want to get the drivers you know, uh, educated and, you know, graduate them so they can actually go and work. Um, so that was very interesting. Also, what I learned is driving a truck is not as easy as people might think. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, especially a tanker, that's the weight is up high, right? Right. So you're carrying, uh, first of all, uh, your cargo is moving because your liquid right. may slash around. Yeah, if it's not full, it's moving around. Yeah, you know, some tankers have baffles and stuff like that to prevent a lot of the moving around, but your center of gravity is high. You have to have certain skills, right, and certain uh, knowledge, right, about how to do it safely. And there's a lot of, you know, extra tests you have to take in order to make it happen. So I can kind of see why um, there's a shortage of drivers because it's not a, you know, job that everybody can do immediately, right? You need to learn. Um, and also the other aspects that you talked about. But if I look at AAA gas price website right now, I'm just trying to understand this and make sure, you know, is this a major cause for concern or is this, you know, not major? Um, right now, the average price per gallon of regular gasoline is around $2.96, um, which is quite high, but not anywhere near you know some of the crazy other pricing we've we've seen in the past yeah that's about seven cents a gallon more than it was a week ago so, so it it's is climbing it is drifting upwards and generally uh people anticipate prices of fuel will go up in the summer because demand is going up in the summer and uh but right now it's it's affordable in most places i i don't i i I'm starting to drive more myself. As I, as I mentioned, I only did 1,400 miles in my own vehicle in six months between oil changes, where I normally do, you know, 20,000 miles a year. So uh, there's a huge surge of demand right now hitting the retail outlets, the gas stations, uh, who have to wait until they get scheduled to be replenished. And we're concerned uh, at the macro level that we don't really have a good forecast on how big that demand is going to be by all the various places of the demand. And so having that last mile capability, getting it to the gas station is a critical link in the whole supply chain. Uh, The production of oil is there. We have inventory stocks, anchor farms and so it's not that we're running out of fuel, we're running out of the capability to get to the gas stations. Yeah, and I actually, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I didn't know the capacity and or extent of the Colonial Pipeline. You yeah, know, that's just, pretty dramatic. That's yeah, very dramatic. And they're, yeah, they're as, a, as a regular out. consumer, I guess, I and I don't, I don't live on the East Coast, but it's not something that was on top of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> but, but now it's becoming quite important. 
it can be a, a, a major alarm. I don't know what specific uh, cyber attack ransomware was used in this, but they basically shut down for three or four days now. And this, uh, this Colonial Pipeline uh, delivers about two and a half million barrels a day, 100 million gallons a day uh, to the East Coast. So that's, that's fuel that's not getting to points of demand that can't get the fuel. And so that is a big concern. A pilot here in Knoxville uh, just uh, announced a couple of days ago that they have adequate supplies of fuel. Can you they, briefly explain what pilot is? Pilot is basically, uh, um, um, I guess. Yeah, pilot Flying J is a huge corporation, one of yeah. the major uh, retailers of, of gas. You see their, their tankers on the road all the time. And that's a great place to stop if you're doing a lot of interstate driving. Um, they're huge, and uh, so they, they're paying particular attention about not only the supply longer term, they're covered now, but with uh, drivers. So they're probably doing some specific things to hire and retain their drivers in these high demand periods that uh, wouldn't have to be done when, when they have uh, enough drivers to employ every day. And I guess on the plus side, we talked about, you know, the difficulty of driving uh, a vehicle like this, the tanker. Uh, I think on the plus side, there may be an increase in salary, right? Because well, I think that's going to, it's supply and demand. So if the if fuel's going to be demanded and the risk is you're going to shut down consumption because you can't supply it, then you're going to figure out what the week's links are and shore that up. And so, yes, I think uh, maybe there'll be some incentives in terms of hiring, some bonuses for uh, staying on longer, uh, those kinds of things. We don't need any more attrition in, in this uh, driver uh, sector. We need to hire uh, and, and equip uh, more drivers. So your point about the school rushing through because they're limited, their capacity has been constrained because of COVID. And so they're limited to be able to turn out as many as they used to. So. This COVID has had a tremendous awakening factor for people who don't pay too much attention, like uh, pipelines. I mean, what could be more boring than pipelines, right? <laughs> well, it's actually a fairly sophisticated business uh, with different grades of fuel and how you have to store it and handle it and account well, for it and all that. Yeah, it's very important when you're stopping by and there's a line at your gas station and there is no fuel. Well, uh, you're probably becomes... not old enough for, for the 1970. I mean, I lived out in California and I had two, two vehicles and I was doing 70 miles a day, uh, a one way to, to work. And so I had an odd, play, odd license number and an even ending license number. And I was down at the gas station every morning at 530 in line for it to open so I could get my 10 gallons because we were, we were allocated because of the shortage. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think that there will be certain markets that will feel the pain a lot more than other markets. So we'll see a lot of pricing differences across the country, places that don't have a high demand or locations, vacation spots and such are going to uh, all of a sudden be short. Uh, I'll mention another thing is that drivers will source out if it's not too far. Uh, another source if they can't get it at their home area. Uh, hurricanes come and go in Florida all the time. And when it shuts down the electrical system in Miami, those drivers 
scoot over to Sarasota on the Gulf Coast to get their fuel. Uh, so those kinds of situations are temporary and they can be uh, handled locally. Uh, these kinds of situations are national that lack the shortage of drivers. It's, it's, not, it's not a local situation, it's a national situation. So it's, gotta, it's probably going to have to have some cure at a national level. There's got to have to be some recognition that um, people are going to be very upset if they can't count on getting gas in the car to do what they're, they want and need to do. Well, yeah. So, so yeah, it, it is serious. I mean, I guess you and I right now, I mean, we don't have the vision into the exactly what's happening on the ground uh, this minute, but um, I, I, so I wouldn't say, I mean, definitely we don't want to create, you know, some sort of a panic uh, yeah. or, or something like that, but um, but you were saying about a day, about 50,000 tanker trucks yeah, yeah. are needed. Right. right. A, a, tripic, a typical tanker truck carries about 8,000 gallons of fuel. And right now at current demand, which is about nine and a half million barrels a day or 400 million gallons, we need 50,000 tanker trucks and drivers to replenish these gas stations. Every per day. day. Per day. Every day. Yeah. Every day. So 50,000 is... Uh, it's a fairly substantial number. It's spread out over the, the U.S. Uh, so any one location probably probably isn't. I don't know what the size of fleets are at Pilot and Shell and other places uh, that are doing this every day. But I'm sure they're they're doing all they can to uh, recruit and retain their drivers and not lose them to a, a competitor. Yeah, I understood. And I also want to say, I want to add something where if you see a, a tanker or, or any big truck driver or truck uh, on a highway, be courteous. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, because... Well, the, yeah, but my, my tradition is I, I haven't got a, a traffic ticket for 50 years. And uh, when I do long distance, I do a lot of long distance driving on occasion. I, I just get in behind one of those tanker trucks and... Uh, let them drive the comfortable, safe way, and I maintain my distance. I avoid all that craziness going on in the left lane. Uh, I, I'm a motorhomer. I've raised seven kids, and we've had several motorhomes and been all over the U.S. And uh, having professional drivers out there to keep everybody safe is real important. So we, yeah, we totally. And what that. what you hate to see is in traffic in a major city. You know, there is a big trucks driving and a lot of people are impatient and they're going in front of them, you know, uh, cutting, cutting them off. And uh, yeah, that's not something you want to see, obviously. Yeah. Well, we can't live with them and we can't live without them in some of these major <laughs> metropolitan areas. I mean, Atlanta uh, had a little bit of snow two or three years ago. They had to shut down Atlanta for three days because it, they were all jammed up with truck drivers. And I know the local government people were getting pretty mad at all that trucking going on and yeah. uh, you know we have to provide the opportunity for products to get replenished the uh, americans are, are we're, we're lazy and we're demanding and we're impatient and fickle uh but look at what's happened in the internet i mean both ups and fedex have have weathered the windfall of volume i mean just all these products going every day by truck is 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 a competitor to other products going by truck, and not mm -hmm. just for the truck drivers and the trucks, but also for the space and the parking. 
and all those things. So uh, we're a mobile economy here. We're a big economy, but we have to pay more attention to uh, those critical linkages that can, can ruin uh, the efficient flows uh, of, of products. I got you. So I want to ask you a little bit more about supply and demand kind of in, in general okay. terms. Uh, I wanted to see if you predicted the toilet paper, uh, toilet paper uh, <laughs> supply problem. Well, that was, that was not, that, that was a fictitious demand. I mean, the first thing Americans do when they get scared is they hog, they, they hoard, they, they, they buy up all of this stuff that they can afford knowing that over the next five or six years, they'll probably use it. But that, that, was, that was not actual demand. That's one of the problems is getting a good read on what is really actual demand and trying to meet that by filling the pipeline or resupplying to meet the actual demand. But when you have those kinds of panic buying situations, then people will, you know, in the case of fuel oil, uh, people will will start uh, filling up everything, every container they can find and, and hoard the fuel. And that spikes demand mm -hmm. uh, and it doesn't, it's not real actual demand. So they have to work that into their algorithms when they, when they look at what's the reaction to hints of shortages. And I, I agree, we shouldn't let people know that we're, we're ringing a serious alarm because we do have gas. It's, We've got a, a systematic issue here about how do we attract and retain certain critical employees in equipment to sustain the kind of demand that growing economy produces. Absolutely. And I think uh, there are a couple of other positive um, items here. So as far as vehicles are concerned, um, the vehicles are getting more efficient. And you know, right. we're doing, we do, we do stories about this almost every day or every week where um, you know, it's also important in pickup trucks, which is kind of where, where we are here at TFL truck, um, uh, pickup truck, uh, is the most, one of the most popular vehicles on sale, right? Uh, in the well, United it has States. been, but if you, if you can't get the, the chips for them and you have to price them 70, $80,000, they're going to lose a lot of demand. Yes. Uh, that's, that's a, a that's a whole different. Yeah, where are all the chips? Where are all the semiconductors? Taiwan. Yeah. See, that's that's another issue about supply chain management that we shouldn't take it for granted because we've offshored, we're sourcing overseas critical components, not just chips, but uh, rare earth minerals. I mean, China owns seventy four percent of all the rare earth minerals that we need to to, to keep our electronic digital society going. So supply chain management is, is the solution for demand and supply uh, issues. And it has to be uh, looked at very strategically, very long term, because uh, you, you get prepared today to continue what you've been doing last year. Uh, you can be out of business because of the critical products not being available. So we're, we're seeing a change here in supply chain management. We're seeing more back reshoring bringing back to the U.S., our domestic area, more of the products that we've sourced overseas because of more favorable tax rates or much lower labor costs. So um, it's, it's a big issue, but it is a global, global economy, and we are interdependent 
on other sources and other um, systems working so that our system will work. Yeah, absolutely. And it's getting quite complex. Uh, and, yeah, and that's I mean, what's so fun about supply chain management. Just a little plug for the University of Tennessee. We, we, have, we have a super supply chain program here. We have more students enrolled in our supply chain courses not, not as a department in the college, but as a department across the whole university. We have more students learning supply chain management uh, than psychology and sociology and all those things. Because there's a huge demand now that's starting to be really felt that we need to bring uh, people in who can think strategically and systemically about how things fit and flow together. Uh, you can't sub-optimize or reduce things down to a little component of something because it's so interconnected and dependent on other components in the system. And so that's what we see here, whether we're talking about toilet paper or lumber or fuel or whatever. It's uh, stocks and flows. Uh, it's anticipating and uh, meeting the demand when and where it occurs or learning to wait. And uh, Americans, as I mentioned, we're very impatient consumers. Yeah, we are. And we take everything for granted. Uh, water, I mean, if you look at what's going on in the world, you know, most countries, uh, underdeveloped countries, don't have water. I mean, just simple things. And uh, uh, so we're pretty spoiled here. And uh, I think we have to take a pause and think about the big picture. What can we do as individuals? Don't hoard uh, and, and don't cause any panics and be prepared to pay more where demand exceeds the current supply. But the good news is we have oil. Uh, U.S. can be self-sufficient in oil if we want it to be. Um, it's, it's, it's getting the products where they need to be when they need to be there. And that's, that's, the, that's the fun part about supply chain management. Is yeah, and you know, I imagine that whenever an issue arises, you know, we solve it. Uh, that's, yeah, eventually. That's yeah. yeah, it's kind of self-correcting, uh, it, it, either with prices. Prices are used to demarket or slow down demand. It's not real demand. Uh, if you got to have it, you got to have it. And fuel, unfortunately, is, is one of those commodities that you're going to pay whatever you have to pay because you just can't park the car and walk. So we can complain about it, but we're going we're gonna to pay it. Uh, it will redirect uh, demand, as I mentioned Miami's driving up to Sarasota to get fuel when they can't get it locally, but people will go out of their way to make sure that they, they're taken care of. We just got to pre prevent against hoarding, and I don't think that's going to happen with the fuel thing. But uh, you yeah, know, I mean, tanker, tanker drivers now are starting to earn a lot more respect, aren't they? Yeah, a lot more respect and probably a lot more dollars they're earning. I hope so. I mean, most yeah. people may not realize this. The average tanker Pay is about fifty-five thousand dollars a year, uh, about twenty-five dollars an hour. Top earners in tanker trucks are earning about eighty thousand dollars a year, mm -hmm. but they work hard for it, and it's a it's not a fun job. It's a dangerous job, and, um, but they're very critical to our economy. Okay, so obviously we'll be watching this topic very closely. Oh, and one one last question I wanted to ask you, Jim. Uh, so you, you mentioned there are a lot of students in, in kind of your department with the yeah, supply and chain. Um, 
I mean, these jobs are all over the industry. I mean, all over many industries, right? Absolutely. Anybody who produces or buys anything is in a supply chain. And the issue is not, are there supply chains? There, there are millions of supply chains, but it's to what degree do we manage these supply chains in, in a more strategic systemic? And so it requires a lot more collaboration and partnering uh, between companies, wherever they are located across the supply chain from sources, uh, original sources, all the way through the different um, value added transformation processes down to final delivery and consumption. But every, every company is a part of the supply chain and uh, your success and well-being is dependent upon how well other components of the supply chain are operating. So when, when the tanker fleet gets depleted and don't have drivers, uh, you know, fuel companies go out of, go out of business or they, they'll have to make some dramatic changes to adjust. As I mentioned, it, it does self-adjust over time. Like one of the things we haven't mentioned was what, what is the impact of electric vehicles? Well, the, the word is out on that. It's still kind of a pilot. I think we're going to have gasoline engines for many, many, many years. Uh, yeah, well, right now, the electric vehicle, you know, is a single digit percentage, maybe a couple of percentages yeah. uh, overall, as far as the fleet of all vehicles is concerned yeah. in the U.S. Right. Um, so I think, you know, that's going to ramp up, but obviously that's an alternative. No, it's not going to have a short term impact at all. Yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, driving habits. I mean, uh, we have to adjust our driving habits to the availability of price of gas. And so that, that'll be so I guess because the summer is coming on and everybody's anxious to get rid of the masks and get out and go party and play and, and all of that, uh, there's going to be a huge surge. And so that could uh, result in some inconvenient short-term shortages in different locations. All right. Well, we'll keep watching this. Uh, thank you, Jim, for your time. Uh, well, really... Thank you, Andre, and congratulations for getting that uh, driver's license. I mean, that certification. You've probably gotten many, many calls about people wanting to know if you're available for a run. I, well, I may have a second job here pretty soon. I so. think so, yeah. It's not a bad life if you like to travel a lot. Yeah, totally. Well, I, I do have kind of young kids still, so hopefully I, yeah. I won't be able to, uh, you know, leave them for very long. Yeah. Okay, that works. Okay. Well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate okay. your time. Thank you, Andre. Take care. Okay, thanks. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.